to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Hey, if you have your Bible, why don't you grab it with me and turn to the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. If you're just jumping in with us today, uh, guest here for the first time, again, welcome. We're so, so glad uh, that you are here. And uh, you're jumping in the middle of a series that we've been in really throughout the summer so far. We've got a few more weeks left. And uh, it's a a series that we're calling Inspire, um, which is significant because that word, actually the origin of that word is uh, from the Latin inspire, which means to be filled with the Spirit. And so we are talking about what does it mean to be filled with the life of God, the Spirit of God? What does it look like when God's Spirit comes into people? And um, it's the most inspirational thing that could ever happen. And so we've been talking about really one of the things that happens in people's lives, what the Bible calls the manifestations of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit. And we really believe this, that when God saves you, it's not just so that you can go to heaven when you die, although if that was all, how many of you know that would be a good deal? Yeah? But it's actually so much more than that. It's not just to go to heaven when you die, it's so that you can get a little bit of heaven here on earth. And so, yeah, man, I like that. Y'all are excited. And, uh, and so part of the way that happens is through these gifts that God brings into our lives that just releases this excitement, this dynamic uh, work of God in our lives. And so we are exploring what does that mean for us uh, as followers of Jesus and for us as a church. And uh, today I'm talking uh, about the gifts of tongues and interpretation. All right, good. That's a a better response than I was afraid I may get. But uh, Anyway, if you have your Bible, grab it and turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, if, you, if you're just jumping in with us, I encourage you to go back to some and listen on our podcast to some of the first, uh, first messages in this series that will just help you to frame your thinking around this topic of spiritual gifts. But I want to read this passage, Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 1. It says this, When the day of Pentecost had fully come... They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven, a a sound came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. Notice that it set on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we each hear in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, and those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia. I practiced these pronunciations during the week. Egypt. And the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from, from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, uh, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for your word. And God, we pray now that you would open our hearts and help us to hear from you. God, I pray that you would eclipse me today, God that it would be your voice, your words, your thoughts, Father. And we ask that our hearts would be open to receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'll never forget the first day of sixth grade, the start of middle school. And uh, it was a bit of a traumatic day for me. Anybody can relate to that. You're, You're still putting your middle school years behind you like I am. Um, It it was a a bit of a challenge, 
And one of the reasons that it was a challenge is because it was in sixth grade as I entered into middle school that I, for the first time, became profoundly aware of what other people thought about me. I became profoundly aware of whether or not I was fitting in, who I was fitting in, where I belonged, and how I could kind of fit in with the various groups in school. Who knows what I'm talking about? I remember there was all these different groups, and you know, in, uh, up until that point, it was just like everybody's a kid, right? But then when you go to middle school, it's like you know, everybody's wanting to be cool, wanting to like, you know, be their own person, and so they kind of break into all these little different groups. I remember there was like the skaters, there was the jocks, we got a skater here on the front, there was the skaters, there was the jocks, there was the, the band people, we won't say band nerds, band people, right? And there was all these different groups, and, you know, it was not a spoken thing of who was in these groups, but everybody knew who was in the groups, right? I, I mean, there was, it was clearly understood which group you fit in. There was all these unspoken lines of demarcation, the jeans you wore, the shoes you wore, the music you listened to, all of these things that, that were barriers or lines of demarcation uh, um, among these different groups. And the reason I say that to you is because oftentimes when it comes to spiritual gifts, the church functions the same way. Oftentimes when it comes to spiritual gifts, it may not be clearly spoken, but oftentimes there are all these little you know, marks of distinction of what group you fit in, and specifically around this issue of tongues or this gift of tongues, unfortunately, in the body of Christ, this has become a, a profound point of division among followers of Jesus. And I just want to say at the outset today that whatever your perspective is on this gift, that God never intended for tongues to be a point of pain and division among his body. He, he never intended spiritual gifts to be something where you go, oh, uh, I, I'm in and you're out. Or that they're in and I'm out. Or where do I fit in? And here we find in the book of Acts the very first account of people speaking in tongues on the day of Pentecost. And it's where that moniker Pentecostal comes from right here, which actually just means the word 50. And it was in this moment. But I want you to notice today that not only did they speak in tongues, but perhaps more importantly today for us to understand, they were all in one accord. They were all in unity. And not only that, but as they began to speak in tongues, as the Holy Spirit was poured out, it says other people of different nationalities were all drawn in together, and they said, I hear them speaking in my own language. In other words, the gift of tongues was not something to bring division. It was something to bring unity. To bring unity. And, and actually, Acts chapter 2 is a reversal of a story that we see in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 11, as man is establishing their, their culture and their identity, and they come to a place uh, and, and they say, we're going to build a tower. We're going to make a name for ourselves. We're going we're gonna to rise up together. We're going to do something great for ourselves. And if you're familiar with the story, you know that God steps in. The Bible says that they were all one people with one language. And God said this, if one people with one language set out to do one thing, nothing they set out to do will be withheld from them. And so God said, wow, they've tapped into something powerful. They've tapped into the power of heaven, the unity of heaven. And he said, I actually have to step in because if I don't step in, nothing they set out to do will be withheld from them. And so the Bible says that God came down and he confused their language. And from that, we have the, the beginnings of all the different nationalities and ethnicities that today have scattered 
the world, but I want you to understand that on the day of Pentecost, here we have a reversal of what happened in Genesis chapter 11, is all the people of the world were scattered and were divided through their language here in the book of Acts as the Holy Spirit is poured out. There is a new humanity, a new, uh, a new people group that is formed, the people of God, and, and they are marked by their unity through speaking in one language, the language of the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to say this today, that whatever your perspective is, whatever your background is, whatever your experience has been or has not been, or even whatever your preconceived ideas are today, I want to ask you for the next few moments, if you could just lay those things aside, and if you could just come with an open heart and an open mind and ask God to speak to us from the Word, all right? All right, can we do that? Everybody else, you're going to keep your preconceived ideas? Okay, good. All right. So first of all, I just want to give a little definition of tongues. What is tongues? We read it here in the Bible. What in the world does that mean? I, I don't know about you, but to me, it sounds like some sort of like science fiction moment. Anybody else feel that way? I mean, I just envision this like uh, I think of speaking in tongues, kind of like these alien characters that are like Tongues with legs like come out and grab a person and like just carry you back into some abyss. And as you're like yelling on your way out, the people around are like, no, it's okay. He's just speaking in tongues. <laughs> Anybody else? That's kind of like the impression that you get about speaking in tongues. It's like, this is, that's like science fiction. I, I don't, you know, that just kind of, I, I, I'm not really into that sort of thing. And, uh, but, but I want you to understand that tongues... In its original language in the Bible, the word tongues is simply the word glossa. Can everybody say glossa? And that is the word that simply means languages. It is the origin uh, of the word glossary, where we get the word glossary. And so if tongues freaks you out, if you could, just in your mind, replace tongues with languages, okay? They didn't speak with tongues like they're getting carried away by these weird characters. That's not what it is at all. They just began to speak out in other languages. Who here, not speaking in tongues, but who here speaks a language other than English? Wow. I'm in the minority here. Give, give yourselves a round of applause. You guys are so uh, cultured and intelligent. I've heard it said before, if someone speaks two languages and they're bilingual, someone speaks three languages and they're trilingual, what do you call someone who speaks one language? American. <laughs> Maybe not culturally sensitive, I'm sorry. But uh, anyway, so here's a, here's a definition of tongues. What are tongues? The gift of tongues and its twin gift of the gift of interpretation is this. It is the ability to speak words of prayer praise or worship to God, notice that, in languages that are unknown to the speaker's conscious mind. So speaking out a language that comes out of your mouth, but it, but it does not make sense to your mind. It could be uh, a natural language, as it seems to be the case here in Acts chapter 2, or it could be what Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 13 calls the tongues of angels. That seems to be something that is not a, a known tongue on the earth, but it is something that's unknown to the speaker's conscious mind. And so that is the, the gift of tongues, but that is also paired with, or often paired with, in the church setting. It's paired with the gift of interpretation. Now, interpretation is the ability to, to spontaneously respond to a message in tongues by interpreting the words and clearly communicating the message given for others to understand. So, the gift of interpretation is simply taking the gift of tongues and bringing it into a place of understanding for other people. Everybody tracking with me okay? That makes sense? Okay, good. Well, let's look at, uh, I want to just quickly go through uh, a few verses in Acts, in the book of Acts. In fact, you don't even have to turn there. But Acts chapter 2, we find the first account of people 
filled with the Holy Spirit. I've told you this was something that was anticipated through the Old Testament, that in the Old Testament there was a few people that the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And oftentimes when he did, there was some sort, some sort of you know, miraculous um, speech that came out, prophecy, or, or there was something that often came out of their mouths. And here we find in the book of Acts, now as the Holy Spirit is poured out, not on a select few, but on everyone that was in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, as I, I said already, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So how many of them were filled with the Holy Spirit? All. And how many of them spoke in tongues as they were filled with the Holy Spirit? They all spoke in tongues as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and this is the first account of several that we find throughout the book of Acts that, that form a repetition of this outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon various groups of people. In fact, in the book of Acts, there's five occasions where the Holy Spirit is poured out and people are baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. And in three of those five accounts, it says immediately that they spoke with other tongues. So there wasn't just this, I got the Spirit, I feel it in my heart moment. It was, wow, there's something that happened. In fact, the Bible says this in Acts chapter 10, verse 45, that those of the circumcision, let me just pause right there. That is... Um, this was before, you know, people were very culturally sensitive. That means that they were Jewish. Wouldn't it be awkward if we just started identifying people that way? Those of the circumcision. <laughs> who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know that it was poured out on the Gentiles? It says right here, Acts chapter 10, 45 and 46, I think we have it to put on the screen. It says this, for they heard them speak with other tongues and magnify God. So how did they know they were filled with the Holy Spirit? Because they heard them speaking in other tongues. Acts chapter 19, verse 6, we see the same pattern repeated. The apostle Paul goes to a place in Ephesus and he says, did you receive, he finds some disciples there, he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they're like, what's the Holy Spirit? What's the Holy Spirit? And uh, he says, I don't think you've received it then. And he says, what baptism were you baptized in? They said, we were baptized into the baptism of John, which was really just an Old Testament, Old Covenant renewal baptism. And he, he proclaimed the gospel to them, and then he baptized them in water. And, and the Bible says that when they came out of the water, when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And so there was this outward demonstration of this inward reality of the Holy Spirit filling them. And the reason I read those to you is because I want you to understand that tongues is not some sort of fringe thing that's kind of, you know, there's some people out there that, that do it. I heard recently uh, one of the episodes of The View, Joy Behar, lovely woman, she said Mike Pence was on, or they were talking about Mike Pence, and they talked about, and whatever your perspective is on politics, that's okay, but they said this, Joy, Joy Behar said, I feel like he speaks in tongues, and it was like that was a, the worst thing they could possibly say is, I feel is he seems like he speaks in tongues, like that's the cut. And that's kind of the perception that a lot of people have. That's like fringe, fringe activity, but it's actually found, it's the repeated pattern throughout the Bible. This is not a one-off, weird sort of Old Testament tucked in somewhere in the prophet's moment. No, this is in the shop window of the church. This is at the very front of the church that there is this demonstration of, uh, of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit through speaking in tongues, and it happened again and again and again. And here's what I want you to understand today, that speaking in tongues 
is oftentimes, not only is it often the evidence that we see of the baptism of the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts, but I also believe through this demonstration in the Scripture that speaking in tongues is normative for followers of Jesus, that it's not something that just a few people can have, that it's kind of like, you know, you're an army ranger Christian. You're like, you know, a Navy SEAL Christian. You're like elite special forces if you speak in tongues. No, here we see people that had no theological training, that, that were ethnic outsiders to the people of God up until that point, suddenly filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. So we see in the book of Acts this repeated pattern of filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues, okay? And so I want to look now at the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and I want to just do a little Bible study with you. Is that okay if we just do a Bible study? Who brought your Bible today? Who, who, everybody has a phone. If you have a phone, you can look on in your phone, okay? And I, I want to do this because I don't want you to think that this is just um, Justin's ideas. This is just, um, you know, nice talk. I, I want us to look at 1 Corinthians 14 because the Apostle Paul takes three chapters to really unpack uh, the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of interpretation, and how they should function in the church. And so we're just going to look at this and, and draw out some things that I believe God wants to speak to all of us. So if you have a notepad, you can just write these things down or, or punch it in your phone as we go through. But 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, starts off, Paul starts off this way, pursue love. Who's on board with that? Everybody's on board? Good. And desire spiritual gifts. Everybody still on board? Good. Okay. But especially that you may prophesy. Listen to this, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. The first thing that I want you to see and Paul tells us regarding this gift of tongues is that, or, or languages, supernatural languages, is that the gift of tongues is not directed towards men, but towards God. He says this, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Now you may hear that and you'd say, why do I need tongues to speak to God. Can't I just speak to Him in English or whatever my language is? And, and I would say, yes, you can speak to Him. And Paul would say, yes, you can speak to Him. But, but tongues actually brings us into another di dimension of communication. How many of you know that intimate relationships have private communication? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like in your family, every family has some Little things oftentimes within their family that are just in their family. You know, inside jokes, uh, pet names, nicknames. Who has something like that in your family? Yeah? In my family, we had that growing up, Joel and Jarrett. You guys, most of you know my brothers, Joel and Jarrett. Uh, until, like, Jarrett joined the Air Force, he wasn't Jarrett. He was Harry. That was, it. that was his name. That's what we called him. I don't know how it happened. I think it went from Jarrett to Jerry to Harry, okay? And so that was just his name growing up. My brother Joel, he wasn't Joel. He was Schmo. Schmo. <laughs> Pastor Schmo. And uh, that went from Joel to Joe to Joe Schmo to Joe Schmo of Kokomo to just Schmo, okay? That was the <laughs> progression there, and I know that sounds weird to you and your family, but that's just what we did in our family. Why? Because intimate relationships have private communication, right? And the same is true in marriage, right? How many of you married couples understand that intimate relationships have private communication, 90% of y'all are acting so holy right now as if you don't know what I'm talking about. You're just like, look straight ahead, don't look at me right now. <laughs> How many of you know couples say some things in intimate relationship that they do not say to everybody? You know what I'm saying? 
There, there's some things that just come out in that intimate relationship that you don't go around saying to everybody, right? Is that right? Some of y'all getting a little nervous right now. And, uh, you know, sometimes that may sound weird to outsiders, right? Have you ever gotten a text that you weren't meant to get? So my name is very similar to my sister-in-law's name, Jarrett's wife. No, I'm just kidding. There's never been anything. There's never been anything weird there. Just debating how much to say right now, but here's what I want you to understand. Intimate relationships have private communication that you don't speak to everybody, and if everybody heard, it may freak them out. Right? Yes. If you don't, you should, okay? And, And the same is true in our relationship with God, that tongues is a gift, or these languages are a gift, not for every other person to hear, but it's For you to speak to God, it is an intimate expression of your heart to God. Paul says it this way further on. He says, when I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What's he talking about? I'm praying from my spirit. Let's keep reading. Verse 3 He says this, he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. We talked about that last week. He goes on in verse 4, he says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies who? Himself. But he he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, end quote. The second thing that I want you to see is that not only are tongues communication from our heart to God, but that tongues are also desirable and build up the speaker. He says this when, he says, I wish you all spoke in tongues. Why? Because when you speak in tongues, you edify yourself. Now, edify, we don't use that word a lot today. You don't go to a you know, a great restaurant and leave and go, I'm really edified, right? That, we, we don't use that very much, but it just simply means to, to build up, right? And, and so it's, um, it, it's just saying I'm, you know, it, it's helping me, it's, it's building me up, lifting me up. And, he's, and Paul says that he who speaks in tongues builds himself up. How many of you are just way too built up? You're just like, I am, I am so filled with the Spirit that I'm just going to explode. I just need like a little, no, no. I think we all need to be built up, right? I, I read this a, a moment ago in verse 14. He says that when I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. My spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now, there's nothing wrong with your understanding. Later, he says, I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. But he's saying that there's something much greater, something deeper. There's a deeper place of relationship with God than your intellect, and that is your spirit. I don't know if you realize this, but you are a spirit. You don't have a spirit, you are a spirit. That is the life of God that is put within you. It's that breath of God that is within you. If you did not have a spirit, that's why you, you, you would not be walking around and talking. It's your spirit. And Paul says when we pray in tongues, we're building up our spirit. Now, most of us have a plan to build up everything else in our lives, Perhaps you have a plan to build up your retirement, to build up your savings, to build up your finances, to build up your career, to build up your family, to build up your body, to build up your house, to build up 
everything in your life, but here's the question I want to ask you. Are you building up your spirit? And, and the reason that is important is because the condition of your spirit is the most important issue in your life. Jesus said it this way, that out of your inmost parts will flow rivers of living water. He didn't say that from the outside, rivers will get in. He says, what's in you will come out of you. So where does, where does confidence come from? It comes from your spirit. Where does boldness come from? It comes from your spirit. Where does joy come from? It comes from your spirit. Where does peace come from? It comes from your spirit. Your spirit is that inward part, that in, inner man or inner woman that was made for relationship with God. It is a container for the life of God. And Paul says this, when you pray in the Spirit, or you pray in tongues, that you are building yourself up in the Spirit. Here's what I have experienced in my own life, is that speaking in tongues is a catalyst for growth in every other area in my life. Speaking in tongues has been a catalyst, and, and again, it's okay if you don't speak in tongues, let me just say this, there are some people that say if you don't speak in tongues that you're not a follower of Jesus. That's absolute B-O-L-O-G-N-A, okay? That's ridiculous. And, and some people would say this, if you don't speak in tongues, that you, you must not be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, the Bible doesn't say that, okay? So I'm not saying that today. But what we do see in the Bible is that it is normative. It is, it, it's a pattern that we see in the Bible. And I have also experienced in my own life that it's a catalyst for spiritual growth. It's kind of like a gateway gift, you know, they talk about gateway drugs. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, if you do this, well, you're going to do that, right? Speaking in tongues is like a gateway gift. There's something that happens when you step into that place of operating in that gift that it actually releases other gifts in your life. I think part of the reason is your tongue is so important. James says this, that who can tame the tongue? If you can tame the tongue, you're a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body, right? Yeah? And, and so the tongue is so important to releasing what God has for us in, in our lives. And so I think it's, part of it has to do with the significance of the tongue, and then part of it's just practical. How many of you know it's a lot easier to like pray in tongues by yourself, in your room, in your devotions, than it is to like get up in front of the church and say, God has spoken to me, right? Or to go up to someone on the street and say, take up your bed and walk, right? Speaking in tongues it is a gateway gift that will bring you into an exercise, Paul says, your spirit it will exercise your spirit so that you can take hold of what God has for you. And so tongues are desirable. Paul says, I would that you all speak in tongues. He goes on to say this, but now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying or by teaching. And so the first thing I want you to see is that when you speak in tongues, you are speaking not to men, you're speaking to God. It's an intimate form of communication from your spirit to God. Also, when you speak in tongues, you're building yourself up. It is desirable. But then Paul also says this, number three, that tongues benefit the church when interpreted. Tongues benefit the church when interpreted. Notice he says, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what shall I profit you? Notice he's saying it's not about just profiting me. I want to profit you. I want to build you up. And I want us to understand this, that the mark of spiritual maturity is not about whether you speak in tongues or not. Ultimately, the mark of spiritual maturity is love. 
but one of the expressions of the gift of tongues is that it can bless the body when it's paired, or it blesses the church, it builds up the church when it's paired with a gift of interpretation. And so he says this, but in order for it to uh, in order for it to build up the church, it's got to be paired with, prophet, or paired with interpretation. Notice what he says in verse 7. He says, Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? Paul says this. It's not just about a spiritual jam session. Everybody just let it rip. He's saying this, that there's got to be some order to it. What's the difference between noise and music? It is what, it's order that makes it intelligible to other people. You can, I could jump on that keyboard right now and man, I could let it fly. But let me tell you, it would not bless you. No, it's not on. Y'all are lucky. You're blessed. You're blessed. I was going to go, that's the extent of of my understanding. And and we could all jump on and we could all play the piano, but what makes it, what makes Aaron or what makes Marsha play or others that play the piano, what's the difference is they know how to to make it, to bring it in order so that it's intelligible to other people. And the same is true with the gift of tongues. Paul doesn't say to this church that was getting carried away with this gift, he doesn't say, just stop it, no more speaking in tongues. He goes, hey, yes, I, I, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but when you come together, you need to do it for the edification of the body. In other words, when you come together, it's not just about you, it's about the body. It, it's, it's not just about you consuming, it's about you contributing. That would have been a great place to say amen. amen. How many of you have ever had a friend who never contributes, only consumes? If you're by them, don't look at them. <laughs> I remember I had a friend when I was young, he would always come to all of our friends' birthday parties And he had the same line every time, the gifts in the mail. Anybody have a friend like that? Or a friend, maybe you take them to lunch, and they don't even do the, like, courtesy reach for the bill. It's not even like, oh, it's just, you know, again, just look straight ahead. If you're by them, look straight ahead. Do you want to be around them? No. Why? Because... Uh, relationship happens not through just consuming, but through contributing. And Paul says this, that spiritual maturity is not you come to church just for what you can get out of it. He says, what is the greatest mark of maturity is when you come bringing something for somebody else. Look at what he says, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Again, this is a great reason why you should always bring a Bible to church. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you, how many of you? Each has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. When you come together, let each of you have something to contribute Let me say this, and I want you to all hear this. In the body of Christ, there are no people that are that have the gift of consuming. Okay? Now, in in my family, we have a member right now that all she's doing is consuming. She just wants food. She wants her diaper changed. And that's okay right now. We love her. But how many of you know? If Anders, if all he ever wanted was feed me, feed me, feed me, change me, that would, that would fly like a ton of bricks, right? That would not go over, right? Because maturity is marked by contributing. 
And so here's what Paul is saying. When you come together, don't come empty-handed. When you come on a Sunday, let me just get real practical. When you come on a Sunday, don't pull yourself out of bed last minute. Drag yourself in half awake and come in and go, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. When you come together, bring something to contribute to somebody else. That means that you need to spend some time receiving from God on your own so that when we come together, you have something to give to somebody else. If Sunday morning is your only prayer time during the week, you are going to be spiritually starved when you come in on Sunday. What makes church great is not one person or a few people that are feeding every other person. What makes church great is when we go, every person is made in the image of God. Why? Because you have a spirit, an inner man in you, a God capacity in you, that when, you, when we come together, what God has put in you can be released for the blessing and the benefit of the body. That's what, that's what makes church exciting. Now, let me say this. I understand that in a church, the larger the church gets, the harder this is to do. Even in a church this size, how do we do it? Everybody has something. Everybody's sharing something. How does, how does that work? Well, we've seen it happening in a great way, and we would continue. Uh, I, I want to encourage you, continue to step out in that. I was so blessed a few weeks ago when Yossi was on the worship team, and, and I just feel this little tap on my shoulder, and she's like, I think I have something. <laughs> and I, it was such an awesome moment to see Yossi stepping out, others stepping out in the gifts, and God wants us to learn that. He wants us to, to step out in that, but in order to do that, it's so important that we spend time with God so that we receive something, so that we can give something. That's why we have our pre-service prayer. What is that about? That's just about, okay, I'm not going to wait until the, the, the final chorus of the final song to connect with God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come in and get preheated. I'm going to get charged up in advance. Has anybody seen those Samsung phone commercials. I think it's Samsung that now you can win, win for non-Apple fans. Have you seen that? I think it's Samsung that they charge off of one another, right? That, that they can charge off of other people. What would it be like if when we came together on a Sunday, we didn't all come in going, my battery's dead. My battery's dead. My battery's dead. What if we came in and we went, man, I'm, I'm filled up. I have something to share. You look like you need a little charge. You need a little, you got an iPhone. I can't charge. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what would church be like? What would our Sunday gatherings be like? I, I, I want to tell you, it would be incredible. It would be the presence of God. And, and I believe that's what God wants to do, to build up the church and the, the gift of tongues is not something that's isolated and we just kind of keep it off in the corner. God may actually want to use the gift of tongues and interpretation in this body. And, and let me say this, that we as a church, we don't have the problem that the church in Corinth had. They heard about tongues, they started speaking in tongues, and they're just, tongues gone wild, Right? That's what they were doing. Everybody's speaking in tongues. That's not the problem that we have as a church. In, honestly, in the history of our church, we've never had anybody give a, a message in tongues and interpretation. And that's okay. I'm not saying that as a pressure. I just want us to understand. I believe that, that God would say this to us. Perhaps the church in Corinth needed to hear decent and in order, but perhaps the church in Oma needs to hear, I wish you all spoke in tongues. Perhaps, perhaps what we need to hear is don't, don't be afraid of it. This is a great gift that God wants to give that will build up the body. I'll never forget a moment one time when I was in a, 
a gathering, a church service. I was actually in Denmark with my dad. He was leading this meeting, and he began to pray in tongues from the platform, which, to be honest, is not something that he typically does. It's not something that I typically do unless there would be an interpretation, but he began to pray out in tongues, and um, there was no interpretation that came. Nobody said anything. It was just at the end of the service, this sweet older lady came up, and she had tears in her eyes, and she just said, when she walked up, she said, you know Swahili to my dad. He said, uh, no, ma'am, I don't. She said, no, you know Swahili. He said, no, I, I don't. She, he said, why, why do you say that? He says, or she said, because when you began to lead the church and you were praying, you began to pray out in Swahili just like my pastors used to in Kenya. And she had been, she and her husband had been missionaries in Kenya for many years and a number of years earlier, her husband had passed away, and she had come home to Denmark, to her home country, and was there in Denmark. Her husband had passed away, and she was in the season of life where she was just feeling like she was of, of no good to anyone, like God had just forgotten her. And when my dad began to pray out in tongues, he didn't know it, but he was speaking out in Swahili, what she knew. And in fact, it was this prayer, this call and response prayer that she said the, the pastors in Kenya would pray. It's kind of like we may say, God, uh, God is good all the time. And people say, all the time, God is good. That was kind of what it was. And she said, when you did that, it was just like my pastors in Kenya did. And I knew God had not forgotten me. I, I want you to know, I don't remember what was preached that Sunday. I don't know what, what the worship songs were. I'm sure they are wonderful. But what I remember is that God on that day chose to use the gift of tongues and interpretation to speak to that lady that felt like she had been forgotten. That's what it looks like for the gift of tongues and interpretation to build up the body. I want to give you, as I prepare to close, a few things on how do we receive this gift? How do we receive the gift of tongues and interpretation? This isn't a formula. The Bible doesn't give us a formula, but I'll just give you some practical things that I've realized. The first thing I believe, if you want to experience this gift of tongues, is number one, you just need to create space. Create space. Creates, uh, the, the fact is that every relationship requires relational room to grow, right? You can't build a relationship if you don't make time for that relationship to grow. And so you need to create space in your life. That's why we spent so much time last fall talking about spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices. What are those? It's just about creating space in your life so that God can speak, so that God can move. Maybe that means that you need to go digitally dark one day a week. Maybe that means that you need to take a little mini retreat. Maybe that just means that you need to, as we talked about, keep your phone on the other side of the room so that the first thought that comes to you in the morning isn't, let me just scroll my feed, but it's, God, I, I'm listening to you. What are you doing? What are you saying to me? So create space. The second thing is just ask God. Ask God. Now, here's the thing about asking is that in order to ask, it, it presupposes that there is a desire. And I know for some of us, and, and it, if this is where you're at today, it's okay. Some of us, if we're honest, would probably just say, I don't really want that gift. Well, here, here's what I, I want you to understand, is that God is a good father, and he loves to give good gifts to his children. And so it may not feel like something you'd want or something that you can relate to, but if it's something that God is giving, I can guarantee you it's a good thing. And so maybe you just need to say, God, I, I want this gift. Would you give this gift to me? Some people say, well, I don't think everybody can have the gift. I, I don't know. But here's what I want you to understand. The Bible says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts or the things that the Spirit does. So create space. Ask God. And then the last thing is the worship team comes back. The last thing is, very simply, try it. Just try it. 
The Bible says on the, on the day of Pentecost, who spoke in tongues? They spoke in tongues. Notice it wasn't the Holy Spirit who spoke in tongues. They spoke in tongues. The people spoke in tongues. Sometimes people say, well, is speaking in tongues, is that God or is it me? Maybe you step out in it. You're like, I'm not sure. If, was that God or was that me? Was I just making that up? Is that God or is it me? Well, the answer is yes. Is it, is it God or is it you? The answer is yes. It's supernatural communication. The same thing that I'm doing right now, preaching from the gospel. The Bible says this, that it's the power of God unto salvation. That God has chosen to use the foolishness uh, of preaching to confound the wise. So what I'm doing right now is teaching. It's Hopefully God is speaking today. But what's never happened is I've never sat there and just waited and God has picked me up and put me on the platform. And You know what usually happens for me in, in preaching and teaching? I get up and to be honest, I'm often a little bit nervous going into it. I pray, God, you got to help me. God, you got to give me grace. I can't do it on my own. And I get up and I try to find my way in. That's why I pray at the beginning of every message because I'm just going, God, you gotta, you got to do something. I can't do it in my own strength. Usually somewhere in reading the Bible, I begin to sense this wind blowing. Not a physical wind. It's, a, it's in my spirit. I begin to feel ah, something is alive. There's some movement here. Out of that place, I begin to speak out. Is it me? Yes, it's me. Is it God? Some people last week that were baptized that are proof that it's God. God is at work. There's lives that are impacted that prove that it is God. I believe that God wants to speak through every single one of us. I want to ask you if you would just to stand to your feet. We're going to dismiss in a few moments.